0: Well, Christmas season is filled with so many just pleasant things, beautiful things, beautiful music, delicious food, wonderful smells, great memories, but some things in life are just terrible, and one of those is the sense that you're drowning, and uh, not to just jump to that too quick, but help, I'm drowning is what my sermon is titled today, And, and I immediately started thinking of a time when I almost drowned. And then I started thinking about, I think my whole family at one point in time has almost drowned, except I don't remember a time that Caleb has. Can you think of a time you almost drowned? So good for you. So um, (laughs) years ago I was at the beach, and uh, it was one of these cold January days. Nobody's out there. Um, uh, Heather's on the shore. And uh, I was body surfing, and uh, I got this cramp in my leg, and I could hardly swim at all. And the intervals of the waves just seemed to be getting quicker and quicker, where you just come up, just get a quick breath, and then immediately just pummeled and churned and churned and churned until it got to the point where I kind of wondered this, this could be it right here, that sort of sickening feeling. And then I saw this surfer in the distance, and I tried to speak his dialect, dude! <laughs> and, uh, and he came to my rescue and, and paddled me in on my board. Um, More recently, Heather and I decided to ride our bikes to uh, the beach. Well, it's not like Cambria. The beach was much further away. So by the time we got there, we were pretty exhausted, but we decided to go in the water, and uh, not only were we exhausted, but there was a big undertow, and it started pulling us out to sea. And uh, Heather got to be rescued. And I was just, my toes are just barely catching the sand, you know, just barely dragging me out. It's a scary feeling. Shelby, just going down the line, she... uh, almost drowned, rafting in the uh, Dominican Republic. And Phoebe, when she was maybe just an uh, infant, we're at Lake Powell, the water just drops off real quick. I'm supposed to be watching her. Heather's like, oh, yeah, you got her. And then the, she immediately just jumps right in the water. And we could see her eyes looking up, you know, it's kind of, uh, and uh, pulled her out of the water. The Lord is merciful, and, uh, and we all pulled through those things, but that feeling of drowning is, is just terrible. Sometimes it's the crashing waves, the big events in life. Sometimes it's that uh, lost at sea, just kind of treading water kind of sensation. Sometimes we're drowning spiritually. We're kind of flailing we, uh, maybe we feel like we've been treading water a long time and we just kind of want to just give up spiritually. Or maybe we're going along and, and a huge wave of life uh, decimates our world and, uh, and we can't come up for air. And spiritually we get thrown around and tossed and we feel like we are sinking. Well, the good news is that there is hope and there is help for those who struggle for those who feel like they're drowning in their faith, for those who feel spiritually like you're you're sinking, you don't have to sink. There's help, and there is hope. That's our central truth this morning. For those of you who have been with us uh, last several weeks, we're studying the book of First Timothy. It's a book written by the Apostle Paul to younger Timothy, and uh, kind of the overarching message is doing church as God intended. So, um, the older saint is, is telling Timothy to set things in order in the church in Ephesus, um, and, uh, and that's what the, the letter is about, the core message of it. And uh, we talked about um, the kind of teaching a church should have, and we're going to talk about other things in church in the, in the upcoming weeks, but, but this is where we are. We're coming to the end of the first chapter of 1 Timothy, and today we're going to be in verses... Oops, I think I got ahead of myself. We're going to be in verses 18 to 20 of 1 Timothy 1. And that's on page 991 in the Bible that's in the rack in front of you. And I realize over the last several weeks when I've said that, that everyone laughs. Um, But that's not really for you who have been here a long time and know where to find that. But uh, sometimes we come in and, and we don't know where to find this. You just jumped in the middle of a story. So there are Bibles in the rack in front of you. And that's the page you can, you can catch up to where we are. We're going to look at four things this morning, four places to turn, four, uh, four things to do to go for help when we feel like we're floundering in our faith. And so this was written, like I said, from Paul to Timothy. Timothy, a big leader in the church, although a younger man. And so if you feel like you struggle in your faith, you are in very good company. Paul's giving this lesson to Timothy. It's like, press on. Don't lose heart. Don't sink in your faith. So we're going to look at these four things together, and I hope it'll be just a real encouragement if you're in that that boat. Uh, No pun actually intended. So the first place you can go when you feel like you're struggling, when you feel like you're sinking, is back to the basic message of God's word. So look here, verse 18. It says, This charge I entrust you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. So I'd like to just talk about some of those phrases as we uh, explore this together, wage the good warfare. Kind of a a metaphor for the Christian life. Um, elsewhere, he uses the metaphor of a war, like like a boxing match, like a, in a sport kind of terminology. But this is probably more of a, a military terminology. But in either case, if life is a boxing match, do you ever feel beat up spiritually? If life is a battle, do you feel like Sometimes you're losing ground. He also says there this phrase, hold on to the faith. Hold the faith. Do you ever feel spiritually that faith is kind of slipping through your fingers? It's kind of slipping through your grasp. You feel like maybe you're not as into it as you once were, or maybe you're striving, but God seems distant at times. And you maybe can't put your finger on it, but it's like faith is slipping through your hands. And then this more vivid uh, imagery, shipwreck their faith. Some have shipwrecked their faith. If life was an ocean adventure, <laughs> do you ever feel like spiritually you're, you're going under? So these are the questions that, that Paul uh, brings up to, to young Timothy and, and what to do. And the first thing he does is encourage him to go back to the basic message of God's word see the beginning of these verses it says this charge I entrust you this is uh, Paul going back to verse 3 and talking about the message of the church and what kind of message should we be about what kind of message should we embrace and teach uh, here Um, and so Paul had just talked some personal story backstory and talked about how thankful he was for God's mercy in his life and grace and then he goes back and he says back to the main message so If your life, you feel like you're floundering, you're sinking, go back to the core teaching of God's word. Uh, Here's where we were uh, a couple weeks back, previously at FBC. We talked about embracing teaching that is simply biblical rather than speculative, teaching that results in building up faith rather than tearing it down, teaching that springs from a pure heart rather than a distracted heart teaching that's driven by the desire to love rather than control, and teaching that's healing rather than toxic. I know many of you were here a couple weeks ago and we talked about these things. This is the kind of teaching the church should be about, and this is the kind of message you return to when you feel like you're floundering in your faith. I discover that often we get derailed about the peripheral things. Sometimes people struggle in their faith because of something done in the name of Christianity that sours their faith. Maybe this is something current in the world, or maybe it's something historical, and sometimes people will bring up things like the Crusades. Um, Well, I could be pretty certain that the Lord God who created people uh, hated the Crusades. And uh, so if we get hung up there, that sends us down a path of, of floundering, Sometimes we get, we get uh, shaken in our faith because of things that uh, Christian leaders have done, either publicly or personally. You know, we've been let down by a Christian leader. We've been, um, you know, they haven't responded how we thought they should. They had a moral failure. You know, we don't like their tie or lack of it or whatever it might be. And, uh, and, it, and it erodes our faith. And sometimes it's just those rabbit trails we go on that get us sidetracked well go back to the core heart of the message the gospel that christ came to save sinners like us the heart of the message go back to the basic creeds can you affirm the some of these familiar creeds like the apostles creed says i believe in god the father almighty the creator of heaven and earth that's the, whole, the universal church. The communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. If you believe these things, say amen. Amen. This is the core, the core of our faith. You're floundering? Go back to the core. Because sometimes we think we're struggling with Christianity, but we're struggling with the cred, not with the core. Um, our family grew up... Uh, boating a lot water skiing and etc and sometimes the equipment in the boat got real um, slimy and gross sometimes uh, seaweed sometimes gasoline sometimes you know barnacles and whatever and i'm just thinking of what if i was drowning and somebody offered me that slimy rope with barnacles on it you know it's a ski handle covered with you know crust i'd grab onto that the rope is the rope is sure it's secure it might scratch, it might be slimy, it might be gross, but the core is, is, will hold. And sometimes in our faith, we need to think about that. Oh, well, I was kind of you know torqued by this person at church, or oh, I don't know what I think about that, and you just kind of wander, wander, wander. Don't wander. Come back and grab onto what will never, will never shake. When I was uh, a kid in high school, um, maybe a little earlier in that, um, our family was very deeply hurt by a Christian leader in our church in in ways i 'm not really even comfortable talking about here um, you know publicly to everybody and each of my many siblings we had to decide what we were going to do with that. were we going to let that derail us, or were we going to let that drive us directly to the source to to the firm rope <laughs> to the anchor, to the core to Christ himself and uh, in god 's mercy um, we found that Christ himself holds plenty strong. This phrase says that by them you may wage the good warfare. By going back to these core things, we can can persist and continue on and be strong in the faith. We don't have to sink. We don't have to flounder. But that's not all that Paul has to say. There's, There's more hope. There's more help secondly, go back to past spiritual landmarks. It uh, continues on, verse 18 says this, or the, in the middle of that section we said in verse 18, it says, uh, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you. So apparently, probably when uh, Timothy first went into ministry, there were some prophecies, some truth spoken over Timothy and his life in a very moving spiritual way. Uh, experience. And Paul says, uh, you know, if you're struggling with the battle, go back to that point in time. Remember the prophecies about you. Remember when you first turned your life over to Christ. Remember, remember, remember. Go back and think about those things. The Bible often tells us to remember. This is the table of remembrance, so we could remember the Lord's death until he comes. Um, the book of Deuteronomy, written to um, the wandering people, uh, it's the, the new community of, of God, the Israelites. They had, they had been brought out of Egypt, um, almost to the promised land, but because of their unbelief, they, they ended up wandering for a whole generation out in the wilderness. And then toward the end of that time, that's when Deuteronomy was addressed to To this group of people. And Deuteronomy again and again says, remember, remember. And here's a few of the things it says to remember. In chapter 4, remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, assemble the people to me that I may let them hear my words so they may learn to fear me all the days they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children this is when uh, God's people first received the law of God. And so it was their first, you know, kind of formal encounter with God's law as a, as a package deal, so to speak. And uh, God says, go back and remember that day. Remember when you first encountered what Jesus was all about. Remember when you first encountered God's truth. Maybe you were a little tyke in Sunday school. Maybe you were a little kid in uh, vacation Bible school like I was, or maybe you were uh, an adult well into life. But whatever that time was that you first opened your life to God's truth, go back and remember that. What else? Um, Chapter 5 says, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Again and again God points them back to the great Exodus, the great deliverance out of, of Egypt. The whole in the Old Testament, the great deliverance story is being taken out of Egypt. In the New Testament, the great deliverance story is that we've been forgiven of our sins because of Christ's death. How has God delivered you? Absolutely, if you are a child of God, the greatest deliverance experience is, is that one right there, when when Christ saved you. But there might be other accounts of just day-to-day life where maybe you have a near-drowning experience or whatever it might be that that, uh, God was just merciful and brought you through that. Look back to those times that God has delivered you. He's brought you through. When your faith is shaken, go back and remember. Uh, Here's one more from Deuteronomy chapter 8. It says, And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years, and he fed you with manna, which you didn't even know what it was, and your clothing didn't wear out, and your foot didn't swell all those 40 years. The 40-year saga of God providing for his people in really outrageous ways out in the desert, out in the wilderness, has God provided for you? Have there been times you didn't think you were going to make it? And something just seemingly miraculous happened, and God provided for you. Or just the day to day, you know, life and breath and rain and sunshine and all the ways God provides. When your faith is floundering, remember, go back to the beginning. Go back to when that relationship was new and fresh with the Lord. Over the years, I've tried to learned uh, some languages, and by far the easiest of those in my experience to learn was English. And it's by no means because English is an easy language to learn, but it has everything to do with the time that I learned it. I was rather young, and it seemed rather effortless to learn the English language, although it's full of exceptions and all kinds of crazy things. Um, uh, I've also tried to learn uh, Spanish uh, several times in my life, and kind of hit a wall. I've learned a little bit of Hebrew, um, very little of Albanian, uh, some Greek, and I've learned just one or two words in Hawaiian now. Uh, that's that's my name in all those different languages. Um, in in Albania, uh, I tried so hard to learn some basic words before I went. You know, I was going to be there for a couple weeks and I got flashcards, and I reviewed, and I listened to them, and I'd go over and over. And with all that effort, I probably learned three words and remember uh, one of them, Falamanderet, uh, which I, I think means uh, thank you. And uh, so all this is to say, what I have discovered is that language gets harder and harder the longer you live. Even though in other ways I've learned all kinds of, you know, different things and more complicated things as I've gotten older, language is, is really hard. I found even in seminary classes, um, where, you know, I was around 40, and I'm with other students who are in their 20s, and they can pick up the language quicker, especially the pronouncing of the language, you know, even if I got the, the concepts and et cetera, um, it just gets harder, and uh, I love to look out at your faces and think, where is he going with this? Um, it's, I think sometimes, uh, well, here's here's why, as I understand it, with language, is we, we start to weed out things that don't make sense. So sounds we make, you know, kids babble and make all kinds of sounds, but you quickly learn like, oh, that's a meaningless sound. So, you know, you like just flush it out of your, your mind. And you can't, it's more and more work to learn these new things. Well, I think the spiritual life is kind of like that. When we are young and we're introduced to the truth about Christ, and that makes sense to us, and we grab onto that. And then when we're older and we think, oh, I don't know, I was, you know, what did I know? I was only seven, that, you know, little flannel graphs and little stories, I'm not sure if that was all. But I think it was real and true and powerful then. It's like now it's just harder. Jesus says to come to him as a child, And that doesn't mean a gullible faith, but it might mean an unjaded faith. Because the longer we live, we see inconsistencies in life, and we see painful things, we see hard things. And our our ability to to take on spiritual information, I think, gets kind of constricted. And so Paul says to Timothy, go back and remember where this started, when those prophecies were spoken over you. Uh, Dwell on that your childhood conversion. Maybe you had a a time in your life when you felt a special call to a a kind of ministry. Uh, Go back to those places. You can rely on them, but don't stop there. Keep learning. Keep growing, even if it's painful. Like learn a new language as an adult. Okay, so those are two places we can go when we're floundering. A third. Go inward To examine your heart. Verse 19 of chapter 1, the second part of that says, holding the faith and a good conscience. Conscience, uh, this word for conscience, uh, it doesn't mean like this intuition about what is good and wrong or right and wrong. Sometimes we use that like, oh, follow your conscience. But instead, it's the sense of, of introspection, of knowing what's in our heart, so uh, a good conscience means we bear our soul. We look inside our heart, and we can honestly say, uh, "No, there's no malice there. Uh, things are things are okay." And so Paul invites Timothy to look inward at his own heart and see if he has a good conscience or not a perceptive awareness of what is in yourself, or a sensitivity to moral or ethical expectations, a focus on inward awareness of innocence or guilt, is what one lexicon says. So when you feel, I'm just not that into that, this anymore, God seems far away, I have my doubts about Christianity, when these thoughts come into your mind, Then don't stay up here. Go down here and look at your heart. When you look at your heart, do you see anger dwelling there? Do you see bitterness, lack of forgiveness? Do you see greed or pride? Or does lust live there? Or self pity or deceit? When you look in, are these the things that are dwelling in your heart? If it is, bring it to light bring it before God, confess to him who is just happy to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He loves to do that. That's what he does. That's why he died for you. But if you are just hanging on to that thing in your heart and it's festering and rotting in there, obviously that's going to eat away, corrode your faith. Don't let it do that. Look inside. The psalmist says it like this, because sometimes we're deceived about what's even in our own heart, which is also biblical. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. He invites God to look at his heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there is any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. If you're floundering in your faith, you might need to Take a break and go right to God and allow him to expose your heart, what's in there, and get right with him. We have this shop vac at our house we had a long time ago. It's one of those strange gifts I think I got for my wife, uh, which, you know, don't do not do that, men. But... Um, uh, Anyway, it was it was barely working, and uh, I opened it up, and I realized the filter was entirely clogged with you know whatever I had vacuumed up last, and you know that's what our, our hearts do, you know we're like we just keep trying, trying, trying harder, you know ah, it's not working, and and we don't look inside and realize oh I got all this gunk all around my heart. Open it up before God, confess and receive His forgiveness. Okay, one other place we can turn. Because if this is not the day that you're struggling, someday you'll struggle. You know, if Timothy, the leader of the church, if Paul was worried that he might struggle, then, um, then join the club. Um, verses 19, the end of that, to 20 says this. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander. We'll just call them Harry and Alex whom I've handed over to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme so by rejecting this what what did they reject that made them shipwreck their faith well they didn't focus on the core message they didn't remember the spiritual landmarks and they didn't examine their own hearts and whatever their path was they ended up sinking these guys totally tanked in their faith and were causing all kinds of trouble in the church And, and here this kind of almost bizarre phrase uh, Paul says he handed them over to Satan now this was not some kind of you know freaky ritual or something Um, handed over to Satan probably just means he placed them outside the church you know in the realm of you know Satan's world outside the church he handed them over to the things that they were already doing he's like I'm just gonna let you do your thing so that's probably what it means by he handed them over to Satan. And why did he do it? He, he tells us that they might learn. His placing them aside was so that they might have a change of mind and a change of heart. That they would stop blaspheming. They'd stop saying these hateful, hurtful, malicious words about the gospel. And he placed them outside the church that they would learn, but also that he would protect the church from these guys that were causing all this trouble from, uh, from Harry and Alex and all their problem-making. One more Albania story. I don't know why I have all these Albania stories. I was only there a couple weeks, but, um, but one thing we did in Albania at this camp was hang out a lot on this pier. Do you remember this pier, Shelby? And the reason we did that is because it was the only thing at this camp. Um, but it was, uh, it was beautiful, and we'd, we'd jump off and swim, and uh, the sea is quite lovely there. And, uh, but there's no real way to climb back up, so there's a dangly little kind of makeshift rope ladder, or you swim all the way back to shore. And so I was on the shore, and I noticed this kid trying to swim back to shore. And it's actually in this picture right there on, um, on the left side of the pier as you're looking back at the land there is a creek or river that, that feeds into the ocean there. And this kid was trying to swim back right in line with this creek. And he was making no progress. And he looked like he was really, you know, he was panicking. He was, he looked terrified. And uh, I thought, well, how do I help this guy out? He was a pretty little kid. I thought I could handle this. And so I got him, and I, I was able to drag him and make a little more progress. And I drug him for a while, and we were getting kind of close but, uh, but I couldn't do it anymore. This little guy was taking me down. And uh, I eventually, I literally had to just kick him away from me and push him. I know it's not doesn't sound nice. But uh, it was either, you know, it was either uh, both of us or just him. And I thought, well, you know. <laughs> so, but I did call out for more help. I'm like, hey, because there's some guys, like, acting as lifeguards on the pier. I, I came back to him, too, but I just, I had to breathe. But he was, he was taking me down with them. So eventually we pulled him out of the, the mainstream and, and we, we got to shore. For the whole rest of the week he would kind of joke about it. He'd come up to me, he'd kind of laugh. It's like He, he didn't really speak English, he mostly spoke Albanian. But he said something he thought it was funny about that experience, about almost drowning me. Um, but uh, this is most certainly what happens in a lot of cases in the Christian life. Uh, we're going along and we attach ourselves to somebody who's drowning. <laughs> somebody who's tanked in the faith. They've, they've given up. This is nonsense. They, they are um, they're doing their own thing. We attach ourselves to them, and we find that we're going down with them. This, I've seen this happen. I saw it happen a lot of times in, in the years of, in youth ministry. Um, these relationships form, and pretty soon you just don't see that person anymore. And uh, this is why Paul said, uh, Harry and Alex, you're out of the church. You're not bringing down the whole church. When you uh, come around, then we'd be happy to have you back. But you're kicking them out. So there might be relationships in your life that you have to put some space. You might have to say, that person's dragging me under. I gotta give space. Because should we be rescuing people that are drowning? Yes. Those people who are who are you know, flailing around in life, should we come alongside them and, and let them drown? No, we should come and rescue them. But when they are dragging us under, then you have to kick away and catch your breath, and, uh, or, or you go down with them. I'm just so thankful that the Lord has given us uh, help when we have those times when we struggle help by uh, giving us his, his word that we can latch on to, help by giving us those, those spiritual landmarks in life that we could go back and think, yep, when I was in third grade and I walked down that aisle, uh, that was real, and I'm, I remember that. He's given us help by uh, pointing out that we have to go unclog our own heart, <laughs> or rather, let him unclog our heart. And he's given us help by uh, giving us the freedom To distance ourselves from those relationships that drag us under but the truth is that uh, each of you has to decide are you going to to flail out at sea and just let go and sink or are you going to go for help it's our our challenge if your faith is sinking go get help it's a decision each person in this room has and my my desire is to see you and I go for help when we're floundering in our faith. And it's really, um, it's really a choice that you need to, to make today. And I'd love to just pray for us this morning because I'm sure there's some people in this room that this is the season uh, when you struggle. And uh, please go for help. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I am so thankful for your mercy in our lives and uh, your patience with us when we struggle and for giving us help because you desire greatly that we are are close with you you desire that you are close with us and that we dwell together in such unity and and such strength of faith and so lord i pray, pray that if there's anyone here this morning that feels like they're sinking that they would turn to you this morning and get help and find it in you. And uh, Lord, we love you, and we just give you this day. In Christ's name, amen.